0: I try to help students understand that everyone struggles. If you feel like it's overwhelming and you just don't know which direction to go next, everyone feels that. You are not alone.
1: You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 73. In this episode, I chat with the inspiring Dr. Michelle Whitman. Michelle has nearly three decades of experience in the public school arena, where she spent time as a sixth grade ELA and math teacher and is currently an instructional coach assisting teachers with pedagogy, data analysis, and reflection. She has also been involved in higher education for 15 years, where she shares her love of teaching and effective practice with both undergraduate and graduate learners. She holds an EDD in organizational leadership with an emphasis in higher education, and her research interests include servant leadership and teaching efficacy. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I am so happy to have you on because today we're going to talk about something that really we just can't talk enough about. And it is the shift between moving from your classwork, you're in a course, things are cranking along. As far as you know, everything's going great. And then you get to this phase in your program where now you're working exclusively on your dissertation or your doctoral project.
0: And things really change. I agree. And I think there are some tips and tricks that if students were to have these very early on in their program, they could really utilize that time in their regular coursework to begin preparing simultaneously for the dissertation courses so that that switch is not so drastic.
1: You know, what? you bring up a great point because... It's okay if you're listening to this podcast and you're already at your dissertation and doc project stage. We don't want you to be extra stressed out. But that shift can really be almost seamless if you do a lot of preventative things early on. So why don't we
0: start there? Agreed. Agreed. That's a great way to start. So when students start their program of study in their coursework, they're always looking at research and writing about it in different ways. What I would like students to do is to really take those opportunities to grab research that is in their realm of interest. Even if you're not 100% sure of where you want your topic to go, if you have a general idea of a field or a problem or just something going on maybe in your organization that you're interested in studying more, if you can cater those early research opportunities toward that, I think that you gain a deeper understanding of the problem, which then facilitates that when you're asked to do it within the dissertation.
1: And so let's unpack that a little more because I know a lot of students, when I teach residencies early on in programs, they may be a little stressed out saying, I don't know my topic yet. And I will always say, that's fine. You don't need to know your exact topic, but let's pick a general area so that you can use this time as you're working through your courses to be. An expert in that area. And by area, I mean something like maybe PTSD or um, reading acquisition for kindergartners. I don't know. I'm not in education, Michelle. I'm trying to think of a topic in your area or uh, transformational leadership, just a general, general area, so that when you're posed with a discussion question or a reflection paper or a small research paper, you can get into the library. Start searching these keywords and start becoming familiar with the key players. That's one of the questions I will always ask a student when they're getting ready to start working. Do you know who the the big people are, the stars are in your field? Because you should and you should be keeping up to date on their research so that you're certain that what you're doing is really contemporary and
0: up to date with the field. I think that's an important point you make because understanding the theorists that are in the know currently with the topic that you are interested in studying helps you to become more informed. You're able to understand some of the jargon that's tied with that particular field of study. You're able to understand the theoretical framework and foundational base that is solid for that problem or that topic. And then you can become well-versed in that. So that, let's say, when you're getting ready to start your dissertation courses and someone says, hey, what are the theoretical foundations for that topic? You know what they're talking about. You have a conversation starter. And again, not that you have to know definitively what you're going to do, but understanding what's out there and how it all pieces together is really important.
1: And the theme that I'm hearing here is we're encouraging students to start working on their dissertation research early on. That doesn't mean we're expecting you to write a prospectus or a concept paper. No, you definitely need to be doing that under the guidance and mentorship of your committee or your project team, whatever it's called, at your, at your university. But from the moment you step into that first class in your doctoral program, start thinking I'm working on my doctoral project. I'm working on my dissertation because for this paper, I'm going to be doing research in an area that at least is in some way related to something I think I might want to become an expert in. Would you agree?
0: I would agree. And when I teach some of those introductory courses and I'll ask students, what are you interested in? And then they they do get kind of freaked out, thinking, I don't know what my topic is. And I have to really reassure them that's not what I'm asking. I'm just asking, what are your interests? What would you like to know more about? Is there a problem that's really present in your conversations at work possibly or something that you've heard about that you're like, wow, I would really like to know more about them? Because if you can begin studying those, then you become, like you said, an expert in that topic, which helps you understand it that much better.
1: And what it can also do is it can also be almost like a dress rehearsal of sorts, because I've worked with students that really thought, I want to know more about resiliency in this aspect. And then they start reading the research and they go, I'm bored. I'm terribly bored. I thought this interested me, but it doesn't. So before you get too invested, it gives you this opportunity to kind of try on some different ideas, see which ones really fit. So that by the time you're working with a chair, you have this past of being in the library, knowing how the library works, knowing how to pull out information that is going to help you answer questions. And it will make that shift so much easier. And before before we say anything else, I do want to say if, if there's people listening who say, I don't even know how to come up with a general idea, I will link to a podcast in the show notes that help you do that. But Michelle, in addition to helping students early on, hey, as you're in each class, I want you to be thinking about where you're going. What are some
0: other things that you would recommend? Early on, if students read widely on a topic they're interested in, that can really help them, as you said, to try things on and see how they fit. And then once you kind of find a couple of areas that fit well, you can delve deeper into those so that you become really familiar with that topic, and one thing that as students progress through the program and get closer to the dissertation courses, what I would like them really thinking about is what are the, what are the missing pieces in this research? What do the major players, the people that have studied it in depth, what are they recommending that future researchers study? Because that can really help you get an idea, recommendations for future research. I always point my students there because it just put things in a really clear perspective. This is what they're recommending. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Is this something that really seems to fit well with where you see yourself going? Because that can really put you on a path to success.
1: Michelle, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is really a key To reducing stress and overwhelm for students is to understand that their research actually has to fit in. And I've had other students when I will say, look in the articles, they all will have a discussion section. Nine times out of 10, these people who have been working on this area are going to say, here's the little piece that we're contributing to this puzzle. Here are all the missing pieces. And they sometimes think that's cheating. But it's not cheating at all. It's showing that you're part of a group
0: of researchers moving a field forward. Agreed. And another thing that oftentimes students shy away from are replication studies. And that could be a wonderful thing to utilize for your dissertation when you're giving you all these recommendations for something else to do. And one of them might be to further study this topic with a different population or to replicate this study in a different geographical area or in a different way they're really opening up that pathway for you to do just that to take what they've already created a foundation for and take it a few steps further
1: for me that is exactly where my dissertation idea came from it was a key player In the field, I respected very much. I was reading one of their articles. Hey, here's what we still don't know. And I remember taking that to my dissertation advisor and her saying, great, yes, do it. And wow, I had been spending a year trying to come up with this novel, creative, I, I think I have to change the world. I don't know. How else do you get the name doctor in front of your name to really realizing this is a process that has there's a method here to the madness. And one of the things that we want you to know is your capstone project is creating that puzzle piece, right? And it might be a teeny tiny puzzle piece. Like you said, Michelle, okay, here's a study that needs to be replicated in a different area of the United States or in a different country. To you, it may feel like a tiny puzzle piece, but that's what science is. It is a million
0: piece puzzle and everyone's bringing their tiny puzzle piece. That is absolutely correct. And when students can begin to understand that you don't have to change the world, as, as you said, and I really tried to help students see that if you have this really important project that you want to do, but it's so ginormous and huge, you really have to tailor that down and focus it really well. And those types of studies that were these recommendations for future research can really help you tailor that down.
1: So for you candidates out there working with your committee and your committee saying, let's rein you in a little bit. Listen to them. They know what they're doing. They know that your capstone project is a demonstration project. It's not meant to be your life's work. In fact, usually it's just the beginning of your life's work. So let them guide you to something that's feasible, that's viable. You may want to study test scores from freshman to senior year. But let your committee help you understand how to do that in a slightly different way so that you can actually graduate and get on to the research that you want to do
0: post-doctorate. Exactly. That's another facet that I try to help them understand. This is just one step in your professional journey. Then you can go on to do all of these other amazing things. But this is your foundation. This is your base. This helps you understand what does the dissertation entail? How does research work? How am I adding to the field? And you go through that whole process successfully, and then you move on to some of these other steps that you foresee in your career. And, you know,
1: Michelle, I was taking notes, and I wanted to ask you a question. Here we are encouraging people, read these articles, start really becoming well-versed in this area so that by the time you get to write this manuscript, chapters one, two, and three, your proposal, you will have theoretically already quite a library. Of research that you've collected. So one of my questions for you here is, how do you help students organize this? How do you help them keep track of it? Or what are
0: your recommendations there? That is a great question because myself, when I was going through the dissertation, I was old school. I had all of these copies printed out in Clip together according to themes, and I always try to tell students, please don't follow my lead. <laughs> There's all of these wonderful tools out there on you know different apps and extensions that you can put onto the computer. So I try to recommend some of those. One of them is Zotero, that they can use to kind of kind of categorize their research. And so I try to help them understand that as you're gathering it, if you see certain articles fitting together with a certain theme. Maybe put those into one folder. And then if you've got your different articles categorized in that way, it helps you to see how your topic, which is your like overarching umbrella, breaks down into all these different little levels underneath, which is exactly what they're doing when they write a literature review.
1: Yes. And Michelle, I think one of the reasons that literature review chapter, that chapter two, can be so overwhelming and time consuming is because... In your classes, you may be used to writing papers where you're maybe citing eight to 20 research articles at a time. And you can kind of keep track of who said what. You can write notes in the margin and get by. But by the time you're writing a chapter two, if your committee members are asking you questions, writing in the margins on article number three when you've got 133 isn't going to work. You really do need to adopt a system guys, the sooner the better. And I was like you, Michelle, I was old school. I think I prefer to be old school, even with these new technologies around. But at the time I was going through grad school, that was the only option. I didn't have all these things. I didn't even have a cell phone. I had to take a train into campus uh, to use a computer, but I'm dating myself. But it really, if, if something isn't resonating with you, ask around, ask your peers, ask people on LinkedIn, on Facebook. But the sooner you adopt a system so that you can put your finger on that article when you need it, the faster you're going to be able to write that monumental chapter, that literature review
0: chapter. That That's so true. Because again, when you're writing, you want to be able to, when you write down a sentence, you want to instantly be thinking of. How can I support this with the research? Who else said that? Who else can I think of that I can cite here? And once you're going through that process and you've read and you've taken notes and you've organized, those names are going to begin to pop a lot more quickly and you're going to be able to construct that chapter so much more easily.
1: And once you know those things, I tell all my students once a month, you should know who the key players are non-negotiable. And once a month, you pop into the library and you see if they've published anything new. When you start working on your dissertation or doctoral project, from that moment to your oral defense, things are going to be published. So just because your proposal's approved doesn't mean we don't expect to see you still immersed in the literature so that you've got, again, your finger on the pulse, right? And uh, nowadays, too, a lot of people have social media accounts and you can follow them and you can see white papers that they're writing or conference proceedings where they're presenting so that you can be, again, presenting the most cutting edge research that's related to your
0: topic. That is so important. You're right. And it really stress that importance to students. Just always read, read, read. You should constantly be reading within your topic of study that you're interested in. Because again, you're the link to be the expert. When you conduct your defense at some point in the future, you're going to be looked at as an expert on that topic and you want to be able to perform. And
1: truthfully, because you will have been so immersed in this, when you're on that oral defense, you are the expert compared to your committee members. They're there making sure that there's a logical flow, that things are appropriate in terms of analytical strategies and things of that nature. But you should really be able to Sit in that oral defense seat and present and answer questions like an expert. And there's no, there is no substitute for time. That's what I always tell a student. And so the sooner you start reading and immersing yourself, the sooner you'll be an expert, and the sooner you'll get that end goal.
0: Very true. Very true. We cannot stress that point enough.
1: So, Michelle, what other tips or tricks or techniques do you find yourself using when a student starts working on their? capstone
0: research? I think another sticking point for a lot of students is not just the related literature, but how do I ground my study in a theoretical foundation? A lot of times that's difficult for students to try to come up with. So again, I'm going to go back to the reading widely on your topic, because when you've read 100, 150, 200 pieces of literature related to that topic, you're going to have come across a number of theorists and you can really try to narrow down which ones fit well with your intention within your study. So that's another part of that reading that really comes into play for your success later on down the road.
1: And so I'm going to encourage listeners because this is, Michelle said, this is a sticking point boy. This is a thorn in a lot of people's sides. Just like looking for those words, uh, future research should, or what we still don't know, write those hints for what may be your research project. Look for words like theory, theorists, conceptual frameworks, and start putting together a pattern. Oh, I see in this area, most people are relying on self-determination theory or in this area, because these are things that even if you're not using those theoretical
0: frameworks specifically
1: for your study could very well come up during your oral
0: defense. I've seen that happen more often than not. one of the committee members will ask how they see this particular research tying to this other theorist in their work. And so again, like you said, coming back to understanding the big picture surrounding your topic is of the utmost importance.
1: So if you don't already have some sort of journal or organizational system early in your program, we're hoping that you're taking notes, right? Yeah, Michelle. Hey, here's some potential areas hey, here's some theories. And I always suggest a section of statistics. You're going to need statistics in your chapter one, or maybe even a concept paper or a letter of intent. You need to prove on some level going down this area of research is important. And one of the easiest, fastest ways to do that is through statistics. So I always tell people, keep a log of statistics that you can use to weave throughout your chapter one and
0: other parts of your your manuscript well that's very true and that speaks to that very first part of chapter one the background of the problem where you're really setting the stage for why is this important and why am i studying it what do i hope to gain or contribute to the field by by looking at this
1: and one of the red flags that chairs or committee members will look at are the year of those resources so I, I do want to get on my soapbox here about recent resources. Yes, we know you're going to be referring to seminal works that date back sometimes decades, but that should be a relatively small portion of what you're presenting to your committee. Again, you want them to know that you have your finger on the pulse, that you're in the recent research. So always check the year of the reference that you're citing.
0: Yes. And I always tell my students, five to seven years is a good range to give yourself. And another good trick is that if you find a good piece of research that you really resonates with you or that you find is going to connect with your topic, go to the reference section of that article and skim through some recent articles and say, hey, I've never heard of this theorist. Maybe I'll go check them out. And you really find it's a good way to gather some more additional sources. So be open to those
1: breadcrumb trails. I yes. call them.
0: Good <laughs> name.
1: What, one of my favorite ways to find a breadcrumb trail is looking for a systematic literature review or a meta analysis in the area. Do you ever
0: ask your students to yeah. do that? Yes, that was one of the major ways that I collected a lot of the research for my own dissertation.
1: Yeah, I will use the analogy. It's like finding Willy Wonka's golden ticket. <laughs> it is because <laughs> in one article researchers have summarized for you a whole bunch of other research.
0: Yes. And then you're a good way to gather those statistics too, right? Because they're going to be throwing those around as well.
1: You've got a long history of working with students on their dissertations. Are there any things besides kind of these academic tips that we're sharing that you share with them to help them get through this phase that can be often very arduous compared to the coursework?
0: I try to help students understand that everyone struggles. If you feel like it's overwhelming and you just don't know which direction to go next, everyone feels that. You are not alone. Talking with another student who's going through the dissertation process can be really beneficial. I always try to If I can think of one of my previous students who's studying a similar topic, I will try to put that student in touch with that one, that other student who's now the expert in their field, to kind of be a mentor to that student, even just to talk about what did you do when you were feeling this way or what are some other avenues that I might not have thought about. It just makes them feel less alone and it enables them to have another voice to talk to when they think oh my gosh, I I don't know if this is going in the right direction or not, other than myself. Because I know that as their chair, I'm their mentor, the person they should turn to. But sometimes you feel more comfortable talking to a colleague or someone that's been through it the way that they themselves are going through it at that moment.
1: And having a diverse network is so important. Like you said, your chair is there to fill a certain role, your partner, your best friends, your kids will fill a certain role. But a peer or a recent graduate fills a really, really special role. So if you don't already have someone that you're teamed up with that you can hold each other accountable for, whether it's writing days or uh, someone that you can really share your wins with, as well as your struggles who truly understand it, I encourage you to find that person and you can find them everywhere. They don't need to be in your program. LinkedIn is a great place. Facebook, Clubhouse, there's lots of places you can find people who are either in a similar situation as you or who recently graduated and can serve in that that very,
0: very critical role. I agree. And I want to give a shout out to Dr. Angie Holzer because I have connected a student with her recently and she has done a tremendous job of kind of steering her into some directions of research that she had not known about. And I think it's
1: so helpful to just have someone who can say to you, I've been there, I get it, I'm on the other side, hang in there, because hearing it from someone where it's still fresh versus your chair really
0: can be motivating. I agree. It helps them understand, I can do this. And I always try to reiterate to them, you can. I will be there for you. i to help you get through this, but I know that you can do it. And I think just that constant source of motivation Is really helpful as students go through this really arduous process.
1: So I'm curious, Michelle, I usually end most episodes asking, do you have maybe a favorite quote or maybe even just some final words of wisdom? Now we are here coming towards the end, but you're thinking, oh, wait, I also wanted to share
0: this. I think more than anything else, you have to believe in the power of yourself. Don't ever give up on you. And know your why. Why did you click, begin my application? What was your end goal? And really always try to keep that in mind so that you can get over whatever obstacle or difficulty you might be facing that can really help you to persevere.
1: I love that. What a great way to wrap up today's episode. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights with the audience. It was a pleasure to chat with you today.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, I'm wishing you more joy in your journey. The Happy Doc Student Podcast is brought to you by ExpandYourHappy.com, and you can learn more there. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.